in terms of announcements, um, next week and Friday and Saturday is the Woven Conference, which has been being, being prepared for uh, a while now. And so I just want to throw that out there for any of the ladies in, in the place. Um, if you're you know, wondering whether I should I go or not, I just want to throw this out there. Um, we have a lot of ladies from the next door space. There's about 13 of them who are really excited. They're getting dressed up. We've helped uh, work them out. They're, they're, they're excited to be part of this thing. And um, we're, we're also going to just throw this out there. Uh, Tara and, and Lynn have been working really hard. So I just want to personally throw it out. If, you, if you're like, yeah, Friday's not really my thing. I get that. Maybe we can come out on uh, the Saturday and see the conference and see some of the speakers. I know Claire will be speaking, so I'm really excited about that. So I'm really uh, just throwing that out there. The other thing is there's a, a young adults event happening next uh, Sunday at right after the service. So if you are a young adult at the church, they're going to gather for a lunch in the back in the, in the youth room. So hopefully uh, you can make that. And there's also a chili fundraiser, which uh, Andy is going to be doing to help support uh, some, a little team that's going up to Muskrat Dam. All right. Now that's done. Anyone here watch The Crown? Have you seen that show on Netflix? Uh, it's one of my like secret loves. I gotta, I gotta admit to that. Um, and as I've been meditating on this passage, I gotta tell you one of the interesting things about preaching through an entire book is sometimes you come to a passage and a part where you're like, "Ooh, this is a hard one," but you can't avoid it because you're going through the book. And so I've been meditating on this, and, I, and a, a moment in that uh, show kind of came to my mind. Um, in the show, it's very interesting. It shows uh, Queen Elizabeth as this woman who's, as we know, probably like quite traditional. She's one of these people who, uh, she, she likes things in, in the classic English style. And one of those things is including being uh, the, the wife of her husband. She, she really wanted to be a wife who loved her husband, supported her husband. This is a time when uh, the husband is the you know, head of the household, and she, and she wants to be part of that, and she wants to give him, give him that. Um, and at the same time, there's this moment when it comes to the coronation, and there's this question about whether or not that, is he going to bow down to her at the coronation? And there's a little bit of a discussion that goes on, and it gets quite difficult at some point. And, and then he, he looks to her and he says, are you my wife or my queen? And she looks at him and says, I'm both. I want to be married to my wife. I am both, and a strong man would be able to kneel. And he refuses once more. Your wife is not asking you to. But my queen commands it? Yes. I beg you, make an exception for me. No. It's this dramatic moment in the, in the show where kind of these different parts of who she is as queen is kind of intersecting, Right? And she's saying to him, I, I'm your wife, and I, and I have my own thoughts of how that works out, but as your queen, I'm going to need you to submit to my authority of the crown. It raises some very interesting questions about the passions we're going to get into today. And also, I think if, if our church is a family, then part of building a church without walls is going to be learning how and when to submit to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Slaves, Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when the eye is upon you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they're slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Talk about a controversial passage. I imagine when reading this that there's a you know, there's a, a few different reactions on, on the whole. One of the first ones I can imagine is like, slavery? Like, really? Submit to your master? How does that relate to me today? Did this passage have anything to do maybe with why it was so hard for us to get rid of slavery in North America? It's the kind of that worry like, whoa. Was this used to support the inhumane treatment of slaves? The other question that's kind of popped up right away is there's a question of marriage. Should all wives submit to their husbands as their head? On, on the second question, I just want to lay this out right away. I know that in this congregation, there are people who stand on both sides of that question. So it's a, it's a loaded passage, isn't it? Let's admit to that. And I, and I think there's like at least two major ways in which people will come to this passage, and I'll, and I'll give the name, theological names, there's, there's complementarians and egalitarians. 
And there's lots of complexities to both sides. I just want to make sure that's clear as well. It involves how we use several other biblical passages. There's also other difficult, difficult topics like head coverings and women speaking in church. They're all interconnected. So let me kind of lay out, as I see it, the two positions, and we'll talk a little bit. The complementarian position. The idea of the complementarian position is that God made man and woman to complement each other. And that in that, man and women have been designed to come together in marriage, and he's made them differently, and he's given them different roles. And the man is given the role of being a spiritual leader in the household. This is not to be abused. It should always be read in light of how Christ died for the church. So he died for the church is what the head as a man is supposed to do. C.S. Lewis famously argues in Mere Christianity that uh, the, the reason that God did this is because if there's ever a, a, an argument, at some point someone's got to make the call. And so God said the man will make the call in the family, in the marriage. The egalitarian position, on the other hand, is the position that um, the hierarchical structure that's in this passage was just the norm for the time. That was what it looked like back then. And he's basically urging wives, submit to the structures that you are under so it brings glory to God. Because if you're lipping off to your husband, it's going to look bad on Jesus. They would also say, Paul's also telling slaves to submit to their masters. That this cannot mean that, that slavery itself is somehow recommended as a social structure. So how can you say that women submitting to their husbands is part of a good social structure? And so, and then, and so then the, the argument kind of begins and goes on. To be honest, if I was going to try to answer this question... It would take a very long time. We'd have to delve into a lot of passages and realize that there's a lot of difficulty to interpret this. And so I don't think, personally, that we'd be well-served today for me to just try to spend my whole time trying to convince you one way or the other. Can we just, for now, admit this is really complicated? I want to say I've done a lot of premarital counseling in my lifetime with Megan and I. And we sat down with many couples. And I've learned that I'm usually less worried about their take on the traditional versus the egalitarian structure of a marriage than I am at their approach to whether or not they will submit to each other, whether they're going to love each other. I have seen complementarian marriages be the most kind and loving and self-sacrificing bonds. Husband and wife always putting each other first, healthy communication, mutual respect. I've also seen them be domineering and very abusive. I've seen egalitarian marriages be fully functional where each partner defers to the other at different times and they respect each other's opinions. Husband and wife always put each other first. There's a healthy communication and a mutual respect. And I've also seen them become dysfunctional and abusive. Rather than trying to argue for this certain approach to marriage in this crowd I know has a lot of differences what I'd like to do is focus on the theme of the entire passage, which I think we all must agree on. In verse 21, he gives us the, the, the key. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to each other. This is the key to healthy family, healthy marriage, healthy church, 
healthy workplace, mutual submission. It takes two. Both need to. Wherever you are in the power structure. Now, this is difficult in our church because when I say the word submission, it usually has a very negative connotation. If you submit, it means that you cave in, that you lose, right? If you submit in the UFC, you just lost the fight. We don't hear the word submission as a good word in our culture. But here, submission is a way of revering Jesus. If we're going to build a church without walls, we're going to learn to submit to each other. Now, I wanted to, instead of just, um, you know, um, throwing it out like that, I want to, I want to actually build this as a scriptural theme. This is a countercultural value submission. This is something that we need to speak amongst ourselves and to our culture, that submission is actually something that can be healthy and good, that should be. I want to look through a few themes, and, and we'll look through some scripture together. Okay, the first thing is, when we hear the word submission, what we, we know is that God calls us to submit to him. It says this in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Or in Hebrews 12, 9, Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? This is the key. Everyone must submit. Notice when he talks to the master and to the slave, he says to the master, oh, you do the same things. I just told the slaves to submit and do all these things. Masters, do that same thing. Why? Because we're all submitting to God. If you're the boss of the corporation, or you're a worker in the corporation, you all submit to God. And submission is actually something that should be freeing. There's a wisdom that comes to submission. I believe that the wisdom comes from this, like it's actually freeing you from always wanting and needing your own way. As human creatures, we have this thing like, I need to get things my way. And if we don't, you're very upset. And, but guess what? Life is like that. You're not going to get everything you always want. If you learn to be able to submit, there's a freedom that comes from that. Okay, God, I, I submit. This is not how I want it, but I submit. The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. There is a wisdom that comes from submitting to each other. It's kind of the question of, of self-denial versus self-hatred. I think a lot of times we confuse the two. We think if we, if we, don't, if we submit, then we're, we're somehow hating ourselves. But it's not, it's not. It's actually putting other people's interests in front of our own. And, and to be submissive does not mean that you're weak. In fact, Jesus was submissive. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Now, Jesus wasn't weak, but he submitted to the cross. 
In fact, this idea of, of emptying himself is the kenosis passage in Philippians 2.3. I'm not going to read through the entire passage, but he says this, your attitude should be the same as Jesus, who was in a very nature God, but not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, a submissive servant. This is who Jesus became. And he asked us to do the same thing. He asked us to take up our cross as part of submission he called the crowd along with his disciples. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is the hard reality of saying that we're a Christian. To be a Christian is actually to deny ourselves, to, to submit to Jesus. To submit to the Holy Spirit. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind that's controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The simple mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do this. Those controlled by the sinful nature can't please God. If you're controlled by the Spirit, if you submit to the Spirit, then you have life and peace. It's hard though, isn't it, in that moment when you want to do that thing, when the Spirit's tugging at your heart? To submit and say, all right. An interesting part of submission in the church is uh, we, we recognize that we're called to submit to the government. We see this in Romans 13.1. Everyone must submit himself to governing authorities. Hebrews 13.17. Obey your leaders. Submit to their authority. I mean, that's hard when you know that that leader is not a good person. Not doing good things. Remember, the Christians are submitting to authorities who many times are trying to kill them. We'll talk about that in a second. Submitting to, to church leadership. In 1 Corinthians 16, he talks about the whole household of Stephanus. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these. There's a sense in churches are difficult things. And sometimes we don't necessarily like what's going on, and, and yet there's this call to recognize that God's called into leadership. People, and there's a submission that's part of being in the church. There's also, I believe, the, the mutual submission of the church leadership to the congregation as well, right? Listening, hearing what God is saying to them. Submit to those whom society has placed over you. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. In that culture, as an adult, you would still submit to your father. He's saying, as Christians, let's make sure that we live in a way that brings light to Jesus. So what we're hearing here, I hope what we're hearing is submission is a spiritual discipline. It is something that we will need to grow in. It's something that we actually have to, to learn to go, first of all, just act, we ask to, okay, I'm going to say, I will submit. Submit to submission. That's going to be a, a hard admission, isn't it? Just that on its own. I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to submit to people in authority. I'm going to submit to my parents. Now, I know a lot of us are thinking, wait a second. This submission talk, the reason I ha I'm very uncomfortable is that it is dangerous. Isn't it? I've seen submission go really wrong. We've all seen submission go really wrong. I've seen church structures where submission is so... Um, Enforce like it's basically submit to your to your church leader and church leaders are like picking husbands and wives for people. That's that's not a 
a good thing, as far as I'm concerned. How about cult leaders? Submit. My interpretation of the Bible is correct, and you must do what I say. And then all of a sudden, they're packing your bags, you're moving over to Guyana, and you're drinking Kool-Aid, and you're dying. Submission could go wrong. It could go really wrong. And so I want to point out, the Bible isn't saying, uh, drop your brains at the door when you come into church. It's not saying, oh, just do whatever anyone says. There are limits to this idea of submission. In fact, we see this in Acts 4. So this is a great example for us. When uh, the Sanhedrin takes the apostles, John and Peter, and it says basically this. Then they called them in again. They commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Submission is always to God first. Submission always keeps its eyes open on the possibilities of abuse and hurt. It refuses to allow these structures to destroy. And so we have this balance. Submission as a spiritual discipline that I want to practice and get good at, but also recognizing we need to always be vigilant for the ways it goes wrong. We've seen this with slavery. I knew of a church that uh, people, uh, there's a First Baptist church in um, Toronto, and my friend had gone to it and asked about it, uh, and he said, why, why is this like a primarily a, a black church? And he said, well, it was actually a church created by runaway slaves. And he said, well, why didn't you join the other church? And they said, because the churches wouldn't allow anyone to join the church unless they had a letter written from their master, which is really interesting because the law of the land in Canada was that you were free and that you weren't a slave, but yet they were enforcing this. Oh, man. Right? This, is, this is the reality that we're talking about. And so how do I apply this in my own life? We've heard a lot about how to submit or to submit, but let's admit it's just not easy. A healthy church is a place where people are all submitting to each other. It's, it's a beautiful picture, but it is a difficult reality. We're not really built like that. We're, we're always fighting for our own piece of the pie, our own opinions. We start to learn to submit. And when we do that, I think that's when the, we as a, as a church body and we as individuals start to grow in a way that can be really helpful. And so I thought about the practicalities of this. How do we actually submit in marriage if we're submitting to each other, one to each other, in employment, in, in parenting? Um, and I, got, I actually got an email uh, from a member of our teaching team, uh, Leanne, and she had said, hey, I got some ideas, because I asked her she had some ideas. Um, and she said, hey, maybe you should have a couple come up and uh, talk about this. And I was like, okay, how about you do it? <laughs> and so Tony and Leanne have agreed to come on up here. <laughs> we're going to ask them just some questions. How does, how does this really operate? So well, I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nice. Oh, that's a good, uh, oh, you got me on that one. All right. <laughs> so uh, my first question would be, uh, how 
does mutual respect and submission play out in the day-to-day -day life of your household? Um, I had a few minutes to think about this. <laughs> and I go back to a piece of advice I got uh, just the day before I got married. And it was from my best man, and he said, if you want a happy marriage, unless it contradicts the word of God, cave. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's a funny line, but as I thought about it, there's actually some grains of truth in there. Um, it says, don't sweat the small stuff. And if it's not the word of God, it's small stuff. Uh, it says, and you know, we're kind of, yeah, I forgot those terms you used, <laughs> but, you know, it does emphasize, in my mind, the role of the man in terms of spiritual leadership within the family. And, you know, if you're into people submitting to you, like, take spiritual leadership. You have all kinds of powers and principalities submitting to you. And lastly, you know, just human nature, I see this aspect of me at work is, you know, when I'm part of a group, we're working together, I always think I'm doing more work than the next guy. And here, I think if you really focus on trying to submit more, maybe you're just breaking even. Uh, that's great. Um, so I'm going to ask a practical question here. Um, parenting. So I don't know about anyone else, but parenting is one of the places where trying to work together on your on your game plan gets difficult, right? You're like, something happens and one of you does something and you're like, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. Or, but you did it that way this time before. Or, you, you know what I'm saying? So how, how in parenting does submission happen? How, do you ever disagree? How do you work that out? <laughs> Mutual submission. We're deferring. Uh, I think parenting's the hardest one for us. I think that's probably the place we struggle the most. Uh, uh, I think you are, as a, just as a human being, impacted by how you were raised, and you think that's how it ought to be, or maybe you think that's how it ought not to be, and then you have two uh, people who were raised quite differently, and so you bring that to the discussion every time there's a discipline issue or a parenting issue, and I personally find that the hardest place, not to submit or to, uh, it's more about figuring it out, and I think what we do is we talk it through, sometimes we disagree in front of the kids, which we really try not to do, but we try to take those things offside and have that discussion about how we're going to manage something. And I think the other thing I, I try to do, and I know often Tony does too, is you just always, we try to think the best of each other in the sense of we're both trying to get it right, and we're, we know we're often going to get it wrong. And I think if, if that respect is there, that you're in it together and you're both trying to figure it out together, that that mutual respect becomes an undergirding of what we're trying to accomplish in parenting. And knowing that we'll make plenty of mistakes, but that we're in it for the long haul. Mm. And that God really will have his way. I remember reading something just before uh, we had our first son, and it was, your children will survive your parenting. <laughs> Which was very comforting. Because no, really, <laughs> it is really God's agenda, and we're the tools that he's using, and you respect, to, you respect and love and hope and, and honor and pray like mad that God will still have his way as you submit to each other. But mm. I was grateful for that line. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a, one more question. When you're talking about uh, kind of submitting to each other, is there any places in your marriage where like one of you would be kind of defer to the other more just naturally because of gifting or, or acumen or anything like that? Is that ever? Yeah. I'll go first then you can. Uh, I got the last one. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but when it comes to, uh, yeah, there are different places where I think we defer because of giftedness or expertise or, or experience. Um, in terms of jobs, we've probably had 20 different jobs between the two of us since we got married. So we've learned to sort of figure those kinds of things out as we go. When it comes to finances, we both have good finances heads, but Tony's better at it than me. So we talk and then I go, I trust you. And there's probably other places where any HR matters come to me, which is the people <laughs> end. <laughs> Um, one thing that helped me, I was at this uh, Promise Keepers conference, and it was um, based in the U.S., so it was a weekend of football analogies, but this one actually <laughs> helped. <laughs> um, you know, the speaker was saying a lot of guys, and it applies to women too, because a lot of women are now working out of the home. It, you, come from, you come back from work, and you think the game's over, it's time to kick back and relax, and he says, you got to focus that when you get back home, it's only half time. Um, you still got half a game ahead of you, and what's gonna win the second half of the game is conditioning and desire. You know, do you have the desire to have a strong family life? And if you have the kind of job that leaves you exhausted and have nothing left to give at the end of the day, then honestly it's time to either like really toughen up or get a different job because your family's at stake. So that's, you know, two days of football analogies, that's the one that stuck with me. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you very much, guys. That was nice. I like that last uh, little bit because he was talking about submitting to his children in that, right? Like realizing, oh, I need to make sure I make things right for my kids. And, and so this mutual submission is really important. Um, when we talk about it in marriage, it gets really difficult. There, there's a lot of different questions that come up, right? Finances, parenting, leadership, intimacy, your in-laws, who gets Christmas, work, recreation, vacations, growth, goals, aspirations, values, uh, exercise. I know for Megan and I, sometimes that one becomes one. How, how do we work these things out? I think there's this key in this passage where it talks about the two becoming one flesh. That in a marriage, that when you're talking to the other person, you're helping your own body. And there is a sense in which however your structure in your family is, you both need to recognize that when you help the other person, you're helping yourself. And that becomes this beautiful principle to help us understand how to submit. In, in, in our family exercises, I love the advice. I just want to throw this out there. Do not exasperate your children. As a parent, that is such an important one. I have seen really well-disciplined households, and it's very strict, strict, and then at some point, that child is going to be able to go on their own. And if the whole time they've been building up resentment and exasperation, it's going to go into disaster. So there's a sense as a parent to always remember, how do I submit to my child in this? How do I make sure they're treated like a person who's worth something? And at the same time, knowing that I need to instruct them in the ways that they should go, because they don't understand yet. And I need to raise them in the ways of the Lord. How about in workplace? I was thinking about this. A lot of times people take, okay, slavery, mass, we don't have that, but now we have, we have jobs. So let's submit to our bosses. But it's interesting because you see in other places in Scripture, it says to, to slaves to submit to their boss, even if they're really harsh, if they, even if they beat you. If your boss beats you, does that mean that you need to submit to that? Well, no, it's not, the, it's not a, just a straight cross line when you apply these things, Right? 
Nowadays in our culture, we have laws and rules and, and ways of going about things. I think the submission is the idea here is like, make sure you fulfill the terms of your contract. Make sure that you submit to your boss and when they have authority over you, listen. And, and sometimes you think, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And that you do it. With a note saying, I said, I thought that was not the, necessarily the best idea. <laughs> Right, this is the, this is what, how does submission work? We need to, to think this through. The teaching is clear. Doing it is hard. It's like Philip, just like, do I want to get on my knees before my wife like this? And so I ask myself and I ask you, like, where are you not submitting? Where is it that God is saying to you, you know that person, you need, maybe submit to them. There's been times when I've had bosses where I disagreed. It was painful and it was hard to submit because, you know what, some of it was like my own desires and dreams. And I'm like, ah. Submission means your ego is getting trumped. I mean, you have your own opinion because like, you think it's right. There's times when you really disagree. It might be uh, with your boss. It might be with the church leadership. It might be in your family. Our duty is to speak, I think, our opinions clearly, but then finally, to submit. And that is not an easy thing. When there's marriages, uh, there's going to be times we have to let go of our own priorities and recognize the wisdom of the other partner or the, the necessity that they have in this. Denying yourself is difficult. It can actually seem unnatural. But when we realize, in a context where each person is doing it, there's a real possibility for a great relationship. If I am submitting to you and you're submitting to me, now, if God's really in that, there can be something beautiful. If, if the church is submitting to leadership and leadership is submitting to the church, then there's something beautiful that can grow out of that. We're all called to submit to God. That's, that's the call, and that's where it all begins. Submission should not be a dirty word. We know it can go really wrong, and we need to keep our eyes open for that. Because it's a perversion of submitting to God. But we have to ask ourselves, is there a part of my heart that is hardened against someone? Is there something that's stopping me from submitting to them in love? And why is that? Often our attitudes get built up and we start to build up these walls over a long time. It could be weeks or months or years and we don't even realize the extent to which we've, we've blocked people off. And God's calling us to let go of the anger, the hurt, the confusion, the self-preservation, and approach each other to learn, hey, how can we submit to each other in love? In our families, in our work, in our friendships, in our church. Submission is a mission that is critical yet difficult. And only the Lord can help show us where it is in our own lives. And so I, pr I pray that as we take communion today, you would just ask the Lord to reveal to you where it is you need to let go, submit to God, and submit to one another in love. Let's pray. God, we pray as we approach the table today. We admit we don't want to submit. We don't want to submit to you, even though we know it's wisdom. We don't want to submit to each other, even though we know it's a key for 
mutual respect and love. And so we ask, Lord God, as we approach the table, we remember that this table represents the ultimate act of loving submission. That your son took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. That your son took the cup, which he begged you not to give him, and he said, it's my blood. I'm shedding it for all of us, for all of humanity to be forgiven. And so we ask, Lord God, that you forgive us the places where we haven't properly submitted to one another. And we ask that you give us the strength to learn to walk in this new radical way of love. In Jesus' name, amen.